we all see the world differently, but a percentage of us have sensory superpowers. It's called synesthesia. You might taste colours or feel sounds. If you have it, the idea that other people don't experience the world this way can be a surprise. And because we're all walking around with our own idea of normal, synesthesia can be hard to detect. Shelby Trainer has the story. When you're walking down the street, your brain cannot possibly process everything that's coming into your sensory systems. And so what we do is we select what's most relevant. Let's say you're on a walk. The birds are chirping, the trees are swaying gently in the wind. You see a patch of green grass in the corner of your eye. Actually, your eyes can't perceive colour in the periphery. Your perception that there's colour in the periphery is essentially made up. Okay, so you're seeing but not actually seeing the green grass in the corner of your eye. And you think about turning around and heading back home. You feel like you're aware of your surroundings, right? Like you're seeing the world as it actually is? Well, according to Anina Rich, not exactly. We get this impression that we see everything around us, that we're aware of everything around us. And most of it's made up. It's pretty amazing, right? My name's Anina Rich, and I'm a Professor of Cognitive Neuroscience at Macquarie University in the School of Psychological Sciences. Professor Rich is interested in sensory integration. This is how our brains take in information from our eyes, ears, nose, mouth, skin, all the different sensory organs, and make sense of it. How the brain puts together information, even within one sense, is still a challenge to understand, let alone once you start going across the senses. And with sensory integration, it's really fascinating because we know that different parts of the brain primarily process information of certain types. For example, the part of the brain known as V4, towards the back of the head, is known to process colour, while the middle temporal area is associated with the perception of motion. But what if you have a coloured moving thing, right? What we know is that these different areas of the brain are involved. What we don't know is how do you know which colour goes with which type of motion, for example, if they are overlapping? Or when you're looking at a scene with many different objects, you've got many different colours, you've got many different shapes. We have another area of the brain that's primarily involved in processing object shape. Pretend, again, that you're on your walk and you see a red car driving at 80 kilometres an hour and the driver is blasting the radio. So now you've got a moving coloured object that also has a sound. You're integrating the information of the sound of the car, the look of the car, the colour. Different parts of your brain are processing that information and yet somehow, in a seemingly effortless manner, this incredibly complex process results in us basically perceiving a, a seamless movie of the world around us. For the most part, our brains do an impressive job at presenting our perception of the world as the world. Grass is green, Birds sound like this when they chirp. But our perception of the world is subjective. My green is not your green. And we can never know what it's like to experience birdsong from another person's perspective. But there is a phenomenon that demonstrates just how much our perception of the world differs. So basically, I can hear the motion of moving objects, but to everyone else, those objects don't make sounds. Jordan Ratcliffe has something called synesthesia. For example, like, you're blinking, I can hear you blink right now, which is really weird, I know. (laughs) But yeah, I can hear blinking, I can hear flashing lights like car indicators. Basically anything that moves makes a sound for me. 
at the moment, there's not a lot of research into Jordan's specific type of synesthesia. It's called a bunch of different things. It's known variously as hearing motion or visually evoked auditory experiences. As Jordan said, in hearing motion synesthesia, moving objects that would be pretty much silent to you or me evoke a sound for her. I've heard that... People with synesthesia don't know that it's not normal and I couldn't understand that. I was like, how do you not understand that that's something different? And then I experienced it firsthand. I had no idea that I had it. And yeah, I was in her lab for about two years and I still didn't know I had it. Her lab, as in Professor Rich's lab. Jordan was doing synesthesia research and it still took her that long to notice that she perceived the world differently to everyone else. I was doing like an experiment for her. She was testing out a game they would be getting research participants to play. I would hear a noise and I'd be like, oh, I can respond now. And I was like to someone else, this is so easy because you can hear it. And they're like, (laughs) I can't hear anything. (laughs) Professor Rich likes to point out that synesthesia is not a disability. It's a different way of perceiving the world that's prominent enough that people like Jordan can verbalise it. But even though Jordan can tell me that she hears a sound every time I blink, it's difficult for her to describe what that sound is. It's very hard. It's almost like I don't have the vocabulary to describe it. I attribute it to say, if you were explaining what a banana tastes like to someone who's never had a banana before, it's difficult, right? And that's one of the hard things, right? People can tell you about their experiences and that's fascinating. It gives you really rich insights into what it might be like. But in the end, you need to be able to objectively measure something so that you can understand the cognitive mechanisms underneath. What's happening in the brain? How does it interact with, say, attention and and other multisensory interactions? We don't have insight into that. So even if you're very articulate about your synesthesia, you can't really tell me what's happening in your brain. Objective evidence of synesthesia is harder to come by. But in 2021, Professor Rich and PhD student Lena Teichman did just that. They showed non-synesthetes the colour red or green and recorded their brain signals. Then they showed synesthetes a grayscale letter that, for them, evoked the colour red or green. So now there's nothing that would evoke colour in the display for anybody else, but for our synesthetes, they report that they see red or green based on these items. Even though the items had no colour at all, the brain signals were the same. It was as if they were really seeing red or green. Importantly, there was a little delay. So a few hundred milliseconds doesn't sound like a long time, but in processing in the brain, that is a long time. And so that's really consistent with a view of synesthesia that the concept of a letter, in this case, has a colour attached, which conceptualises synesthesia as much like what happens when you think of a banana. So if I show you a grayscale picture of a banana, we know that that automatically activates the colour yellow for most people. It also activates that it's edible, whether or not you like it, that it's a fruit, that it starts with b. All of these aspects tend to be automatically activated when you see the word banana or or a grayscale image. So perhaps for synesthetes what happens is when we show them a grayscale A, it activates the concept of A, which for them has a colour. When letters and numbers are associated with colours for a person, that's called grapheme colour synesthesia. It's a more common topic of research than Jordan's variety. Which is why Professor Rich and Jordan have teamed up to find out more about hearing motion synesthesia. We're just trying to understand more about it and find other studies that have looked into it. 
I'm also working with another researcher here, Dr. Matthew Crossley, and we are trying to model it with code like Python and mathematical equations. Basically trying to get the computer with fake neurons to produce synesthesia. It's thought up to 4% of the population experiences some type of synesthesia. Some people feel temperature changes when they hear certain sounds or see colours when exposed to a certain smell. There are a number of different theories about what might lead to synesthesia, but the short answer is we don't yet know. There seems to be a genetic component. You're more likely to experience synesthesia if a family member does too. However, it's also true that all of us are prone to making associations, right? When we're born, infants, what they're doing is they are constantly absorbing what's going on around them and trying to link up things that make sense. So their brains are absorbing information and trying to work out, okay, when that type of electrical activity happens, that sound, and this is my carer's voice, and there's a name associated with that voice, and so on. And so we're really like little sponges hyper-associating everywhere. So some people have proposed that maybe we all have synesthesia to start with and then most of us lose it as perhaps we get more efficient ways of communicating. Despite only finding out about her synesthesia recently, knowing about it has already helped Jordan in her day-to-day life. Because, yeah, I can understand my feelings in certain environments and it's also helpful because my friends now know that I have it. A lot of my friends gesture a lot with their hands and um, sometimes I have to remind them try not to move your hands too much while you're telling me something because if they're like waving and things I can't really pay attention. In addition to just being interesting that a small proportion of the population perceive the world in a different way it also gives us insight into the way that those sort of multi-sensory integration processes might work in all of us. I also really like the fact that it is a reminder of how inherently subjective perception is. I don't have synesthesia and you don't have synesthesia, and yet when we look at the same thing, there is absolutely no way to verify that we have the same experience of that. It's just that when we compare using language, we're probably going to agree. And a synesthete comes along and says, what are you talking about? Tuesdays are blue, they're not yellow. And we're both like, what? Tuesdays aren't yellow, they're just Tuesdays. So the language then shows you that there is a difference. But actually for all of us, perception is inherently subjective. You interpret the world not as it is, but as you are. You're interpreting everything that comes into your sensory system in the context of what you already know and what you already believe. For some people, Tuesdays are blue. There's still no way to know whether that's the same blue that you see or a different blue altogether. Producer Shelby Trainer spoke with Professor Anina Rich from the Department of Cognitive Neuroscience at Macquarie University and Jordan Ratcliffe, a student who experiences these powers. And if you'd like to participate in the research, we'll have a link on our program webpage about how you can do that. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.